Welcome to the Life Church St. Peter's Message of the Week. We hope you're encouraged by today's message and encounter God's heart through it. To find out more about us, visit lifechurchstpeters.com. Okay, like I said last week, uh, my beautiful wife Randy and I, we were in uh, St. Charles, Illinois, our sister church, and this church was born out of that church a number of years ago. Uh, Randy and I lived in Chicago for nine years, nine snowy, long, cold, hard years. And they send their greetings to us. And just before I start this morning, I just want to remind, um, this week my wife and I could not make the Thursday night Bible study, Kingdom Life, so I, I was able to watch it online. And again, online people, good morning, good morning. Sandy, good morning, we love you. Um, we love Sandy Jones. Yeah. A lovely, lovely woman. But on Thursday nights we have Kingdom Life teaching. We're actually study. An in-depth Bible. I, I listened to it this week. Mike Stafford, he was amazing, loved it. I didn't ask any hard questions because I don't want to be that guy. But I thought them. I thought hard questions. So if you're like, how do you get into the Bible? I just don't understand it. What does this mean? I don't encourage you to participate online. Uh, we have live streaming or as well actually coming in person here. And you can be as smart as Tim Hedlund and Mark Levesque. Um, I would just, I sat in awe of their abilities, of their questions. So, Please uh, take advantage of that. This morning, I want to continue in a series, begin at the beginning of the year. It's called Taking Ground. Um, I'm excited about it, have been excited about it, super excited about this morning. And it's just moving forward. My, my voice is breaking. I was around my grandchildren, so <clears throat> back, to the, back to young days. But in so many areas of our lives, we're still believing, still looking for taking ground and moving forward. And this morning, uh, the message title is Grit, G-R-I-T. For you Southern folks, it's not breakfast. I'm not talking about breakfast. We have, my, my wife and I, we went to a Bible school in England in the 80s, and there was a, a couple there from the nation of Wales. It's not like an aquatic creature. Who's ever heard of the nation of Wales? They have the coolest, best accent on the face of the earth. It's all sing-songy. Even the people who can't sing can sing well. It's amazing. And this lady, we have a dear friend of ours. They live in Grand Rapids. They just celebrated their 20th year of uh, pioneering and planting churches in the middle of Michigan. God bless them. Sorry. All you Michiganders, all you small words. We'll be, get along. Be fine. But this lady... Her, her accent, I, I just loved it so much. And I don't know how and, and in what context, but she was just talking about toughness, you know, just tenacity, the ability to stick in there. And she would say, grit. That's my best Welsh accent, grit. It was a lady. She's feminine. I can't help it. But this morning, I want to talk about grit. It's the ability to walk through situations not dying, not giving up, not losing hope on the inside, but actually seeing God's faithfulness by maintaining over the long term. Winning ground, taking ground. We've been looking in the book of Joshua, and I want to continue in that this morning. We're going to eventually land in Joshua chapter 14. Take just a second to get there. I have a, a decent-sized passage of Scripture. Is it okay if we look in the Bible this morning? Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Got the right crew. But in the book of Joshua, 
It's a follow-on. Moses had led the people out of Egypt after over 400 years and cruel bondage. The Bible describes it. They walked. Moses led a couple of million Israelites out of Egypt to the edge of the Jordan River. Sent in 12 spies. We're all so familiar with this. Out of the 12 spies, they came back. Ten spread a bad report, as the Bible tells us. But two, two people, who were they? Joshua and Caleb. Did somebody say Gideon? You are so close. It's the same alphabet, just the letters are different. (laughs) Two of the Israelite spies came back and said, hey, we can do this, absolutely. There are huge giants, but God's with us. We can do this. And yet, the ten won the day and spread a bad report and spread fear amongst the nation of Israel. And they wandered for 40 years. And we're going to read a passage of Scripture out of uh, Numbers in just two seconds. But I just want to highlight this morning on a man named Caleb. He's one of the heroes of mine in the Bible. I have several. I love Joseph out of Genesis, late Genesis. I love the story about Boaz, a hero of mine. Love Ruth, kind of his girlfriend, wife. Wonderful love story, if you like love stories. Stephen, out of the book of Acts, I, we named our, I named our son. She wanted Kevin. That's not going to work. We named our son, our eldest son, Stephen, out of the gentleman from the book of Acts. Just an amazing person. There are heroes in the Bible as we read through them. I love this guy. I love that lady. I, I want to pattern aspects of my life after this person. And Caleb is one of those guys for me. So we're going to pick it up here in Numbers chapter 14. I'm sure Wilma's going to have all the right verses up there. It's in the uh, chapter 14, but it's several different verses. We're going to pick it up to start with verse 6. Before we do that, I want to pray. Father, I thank you for the power of your word. I thank you that it is dynamic. It is active. It is breathing. It is relevant for my life, for our generation. We submit ourselves to your word, and we say thank you for the power of Scripture. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would help me, that you would come and ignite the word in my soul and our hearts this morning, that we could hear your word, mix it with, mix it with faith to produce a bumper crop of life, a precious eternal harvest. Help me to communicate. Help us to hear. Thank you for the word of God. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Out of the book of Numbers, verse 6. These are two stars of the morning. Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had explored the land, tore their clothes. They came back and found that the people were rebelling against God. Verse 8. If the Lord is pleased with us, He will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord. And do not be afraid of the people of the land, because we will devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. But the whole assembly talked about stoning them. There's a nice response from the crowd. Then the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of meeting to all the Israelites. This is a time when the 12 went out. Two came back and like, no, 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 no. Don't rebel. God's with us. Let's skip down to verse 20. 
The Lord has a response. The Lord replied, I have forgiven them as you asked. Nevertheless, as surely as I live and as surely as the glory of the Lord fills the earth, not one of those who saw my glory and the signs I performed in Egypt and in the wilderness, but who disobeyed me and tested me ten times, not one of them will ever see the land I promised on oath to their ancestors. No one has treated me with contempt will ever see it. Does it make a difference whether I believe or not? Does it make a difference where I take the Lord at his word? He listens to our response. Verse 24, and this is a salient point. Verse 24, but because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land he went to and his descendants will inherit it. I'm glad it didn't say because Caleb has a great education, has tons of money. He's the best with bow and arrow. He slings a good rock. No. He has a different spirit. He simply follows me wholeheartedly. That's his qualification. Verse 30, same chapter. Not one of you will enter the land I swear with uplifted hand to make, you, make your home except Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, son of Nun. Verse 36, same chapter. So the men Moses had sent to explore the land who returned and made the whole community grumble against him by spreading a bad report about it. These men who were responsible for spreading the bad report about the land were struck down and died of a plague before the Lord. Such a positive message. Of the men who went to explore the land, only Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, survived. Verse 24 again. How did these two guys, what, what was their standout? What was the descriptive words that God said, that's my boys. But because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land he went to, and his descendants will inherit it. That was God's word. Caleb has a different spirit. Something's unusual about him. Caleb follows me wholeheartedly. And I just want to say this morning, I am convinced nothing's changed. Same heart attitude is what Jesus is looking for in his people and his precious sons and daughters. We don't have to be the smartest. We certainly don't have to be the brightest, the most educated, the most biblically literate people. Do I take Jesus at his name? When he says something in the word of God, do I believe it? Or do I have asterisks? Yeah, but. I believe it works for Steve and Sarah, but my experience. I believe it works for Bible graduates or pastors or Amazing worship team people, but you don't know me. It just doesn't work for me. Caleb, it wasn't complicated for this man to inherit, for this man to be noticed by heaven and called out by name by heaven. Caleb simply had faith. 
He's looking at the same situation, same circumstances as the ten spies. Exact same. He said, absolutely, there are giants. He wasn't denying it's difficult. He wasn't denying it's going to be hard and there's bad things and bad people over there. He said, absolutely, they're there. And we got this because God said we got it. It's not denying circumstance. In my life, I've been a Christian 45 years, which we'll touch on in just a second. But in my life, you know, you see different movements and different seasons come upon the church. And sometimes it's, there's, there, in my early days, it was denying of things that were absolutely apparent and real. And it's almost like if you deny them away and say they don't exist, then they'll disappear. There were giants in the land. But Caleb's response was, there are them, and we got them. Because God said we got them. Real giants that needed to fall and die. He simply had faith. Next thing he had was courage. He said, let's go and do this. God's with us. Takes boldness to step in to impossible situations when everything is mitigating and working against it. Takes a person of courage. Women in this room, people of courage to step into what God has for you. Other people would say, ah, do this, do that. Don't worry about it. But he's looking for those courageous people. Take him at his word. So it's faith, it was courage, and then speech. Caleb simply said, we can do this. He sounded just like God. The promise was it's a land flowing with milk and honey. They'd been impoverished for 400 years, 430 years in Egypt. It was horrible. And then they, they're struggling in a, a hot, dry desert. Caleb simply says, God's called us for a land of milk and honey. Let's step into this. He's sounding just like heaven. He shouted, but he was shouted down by the frail of mind and the frail of heart. Those who were naturally ruled by what they could see and what they could hear instead of what God is saying. But Caleb simply took God at his word. The challenge was this. For the next 40 plus years. Everybody say 40. 40. For the 40-plus years, Caleb was subject to the same consequence as the doubters and the whiners and the complainers. Caleb himself, for 40 years, had to wander in the desert. Forgive me for saying this, but will you soon die so I can go in? Because God said, until they all die, all the complainers and the doubters, until they all die, you're going to walk with them. I'm sure Caleb was nice. You know, die a happy death, but die soon. Forty years. But now, we're going to pick it up in the book of Joshua in just a second. Now, finally, they came again. Every single male, 20 and over, had passed except Joshua and Caleb. And now they've come back to the Jordan River 40-plus years later. And they've crossed over, and they have, as we've read over the last few weeks, they took Jericho, they took Ai, they are putting out the ites and taking land and taking dominion to the promise, the property, the provision that God had for them all along. It has now happened. We're leapfrogging forward four decades. But it's just to remind ourselves 
that for this man, Caleb, a dream was born in his heart. Now, 45 years later, we're going to step into Joshua chapter 14. And it's funny for me, this summer, August 3rd, I would have been a Christian 45 years. Which, I'm not that old. <laughs> but I'm thinking, I got, again, I, got, I became a Christian, a follower of Jesus, August 3rd of 1977. It was almost 45 years ago. And I think, what if my whole Christian existence was nothing but challenge? And I'm in the desert wandering and struggling because of other people's lack of faith. My whole experience has been horrible because of other people's lack of faith. But that hasn't happened for me. My life has been sweet. It's been blessed. I mean, look at her. <laughs> Sorry. I know. We talked about that. No references to Randy. And I'm not going to. <laughs> my life has been so blessed. But Caleb has known just the opposite for 45 years. And now he's crossed over, and now he's winning, and now he's seen God's victory after 45 years. I wonder how long it's been for you waiting to see the promises of God. I wonder how long you've been holding out, waiting to see things that you heard God speak to you, your own promised land, your own receiving of blessings, Caleb is now 85 years old, which is significant. That's a big number. Joshua 14, we're going to pick it up in verse 6. So now the Israelites have gone in, and they've taken so much ground in the promised land. We've skipped ahead 45 years. Verse 6 of Joshua. Now the people of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgal, and Caleb... Son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said to him, You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God at Kadesh Barnea, about you and me. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land. And I brought him back a report according to my convictions. But my fellow Israelites who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt in fear. I, however... Follow the Lord my God wholeheartedly. You know, it's not bragging when you're saying the truth and reminding God what he said. Verse 9, so on that day, Moses swore to me, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever because you have followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. Now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses while Israel moved about in the wilderness. So here I am today, 85 years old. If you're 85, don't raise your hand. My wife and I tease each other, what? 85 years old. And I know at this point they were living a little bit longer than us as a, as a people. But still, 85 years old. Verse 11. And here's what Caleb has to say about himself. I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Wow, wow, wow. Verse 12. 
Now, I'm just trying to get downstairs without my knees not buckling. <laughs> Verse 11, I'm still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Now, give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard then that the Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified. But the Lord, helping me, said, I will drive them out just as he said. Then Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and gave him Hebron, which is a city, gave him Hebron as his inheritance. So Hebron has belonged to Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, ever since. Because... He was super strong. He did a really good plan. His retirement plan was successful. Wholeheartedly. That's his qualification for inheriting. That's it. Verse 15. Hebron used to be called Kiriath Arba, after Arba, who was the greatest man among the Anakites. That was a guy that had to go for Caleb to inherit. Then the land had rest from war. 45 years later, I don't know if you've ever prayed this. Lord, how long do I have to wait? I stopped saying that because it seems like as soon as I say that, the Lord says, well, apparently a little longer. <laughs> what does it take to see those dreams those unfulfilled things realized. What does it take for 45 years? The in-between years, between 40 and 85, that's a long time. During the lean years, the meager years, the struggle years. I look at things in the scripture and I can draw certain conclusions. For me, Caleb didn't coast those 45 years in between. He didn't coast. He remains leaning forward. There's a day, there's a city. There's a day coming, a promise will be fulfilled. I'm not just going to sit back and complain or fall asleep. But Caleb is leaning forward in life. I wonder if I'm still leaning forward, leaning into those things that I'm still believing for. I wonder if I'm leaning in or if I'm on my lazy boy in life with potato chips and orange soda. I love orange soda. But Caleb, he's reminding God, you said, you said, you said. Not with an arrogance, not with an attitude. He's reminding God, you said, I believe, I believe, I believe. One day I'm going to live in that place. For 45 years? So Caleb didn't coast. Also, Caleb didn't wane. He didn't shrink back. There's a beautiful scripture in Hebrews 10, which says, if we shrink back, the Lord won't be pleased. I just want to settle for this. I'll just settle for a really cool tent somewhere near an oasis. But Caleb didn't wane. He didn't shrink back. Setbacks happen. But I know God won't be pleased. But Caleb had a word that I love. I hadn't heard it in a long time. I was just praying about this, speaking this morning. And I just want to throw out a descriptor. When's the last time you heard this word? I believe Caleb had moxie. 
M-O-X-I-E. You don't have to look it up now, later. Caleb had moxie. He had grit. True grit. Angela, speaking in Welsh, grit. <laughs> and I have a, a film clip, just real quick for us. And I'll explain it after we're done. I need to kill you in one minute, Ned. Or see you hanged in Fort Smith at Judge Parker's convenience. What should it be? I call it bold talk for a one-eyed fat man. <laughs> Fill your hand and juice, bad man. <laughs> Shoot them! They're too far and rumble too fast. That was filmed when I was a little boy. If you're under 40, you may not have seen that, man. That's John Wayne. In the movie, he was Rooster Cogburn chasing a guy. I think his name was Ned Cheney. I didn't look it up. It was a bad guy. I think he'd killed the, the lady in the show, killed her parents. And Marshall Rooster Cogburn was chasing this guy who had some partners. And I was just, I was just praying. I thought, this is Caleb. The numbers are stacked against him. There's giants in the land. He wasn't the smartest. I don't think he was the strongest. He wasn't the best with a sling. But what he had was true grit. God said it. They're going to have to go because God said so. And I thought about John Wayne, you know, spinning the rifle and the pistol, shooting it. A lot of missing. <laughs> he was older. He was a one-eyed fat man. That's what he said. I didn't. But I think, what is, what is it going to take to tenaciously see those things, those promises of God come into reality. I believe with all my heart, it's not my Bible knowledge. Do I have tenacity to hang in there for sometimes the 45 years that it might take to walk in? You might be sitting here this morning feeling like a one-eyed fat man. Or in my case, a bald-headed fat man. I'm rounding out successfully. But it's so easy, so we can be so susceptible to giving up and just settling for something less than what God has for us. But I think it just takes stubborn positivity, fortitude, tenacity. It's that it's not it's not cantankerous stubbornness, you know, that Missouri mule thing. I'm not talking about an arrogance and it's just kind of a, you know, grumpy old man. I'm not talking about that. But it's a tenaciousness. I'm not going to give up on what God said. My kids are worth it. My future is worth it. The pain of my past is worth it. My relationships are worth it. Growing up, and I'll, I'll try and keep this a short story. I, I used it a few months ago, growing up. Because I don't know, you may be like me. My first years as a Christian, I'd always listen to people, and I'm like, I'm just not like them. I wish I was like them. But growing up, uh, my, my dad had nicknames for my sister and I. Most of them were not positive, not good. 
And one of the nicknames my dad had for me was Wart. It's painful. W-A-R-T, Wart. Not, not Wart, Wart. And the meaning of that was Worry Wart. Growing up, I was from a broken home, just a challenged upbringing, and I was worried, I was stressed about everything. I could have told you a million reasons why it ain't going to work for me. And I was so much that way that my father actually started calling me Wart. Just, you know, it's so much easier than to say Worry Wart. And I encourage you, don't say, don't give your kids ugly names. It's not pretty. At my age, I still remember it. But because of my propensity for worrying and negativity, I, I, I struggled deeply with depression. Deeply with depression all through my teen years because of my negative thought, my belief in a negative outcome. It's not going to work for me. And I wish some of my other traits had fallen off, but when I became a Christian at the age of 18, I just started reading the Bible. My friends had me reading the Bible. Not... not I, bragging. I just didn't know what it said because I'd never read it. I began just voraciously reading the Bible, two hours a day, just consuming it. And I'm reading, Jesus did what? You can't do that. And God just began through reading the word and spending time in his presence, just molding and reshaping my thinking and my mind and my understanding that God can and he will because he's not a liar. He's not a tease. If it works for that guy, why not me? And I began believing stubbornly over time that God loves me. He's for me. He wants to use me, and he will use me. And my only quali qualification is to say yes, to take him at his word. Jesus is stubborn about me. I want to be stubborn about him. Jesus actually believes I can do it. Jesus actually puts things in my path because he believes I can overcome, that I, I can succeed. And he's kind enough to put impasses in my life, challenges, allow things to happen. And I'm not talking about sickness and disease. I'm talking about <laughs> putting annoying people in my life. <laughs> I know this is like an annoying people free spot. There's no one in here that's annoying. But he, he put bosses in my life and employers in my life who were just so hard to get along with and so hard to please. He said, son, just serve him, love him, bless him. Be successful to the best of your ability. But believe what I'm saying about you is true. Yeah. Whether he's putting a pharaoh in the Bible, a pharaoh in your life. Or Anakites, like we read in the book of Joshua, giants in the land. It's the kindness of God that he puts things that are impossible in my own ability, but not impossible with him. It's his kindness. And out of the my mouth, I can start saying what God says, just like Caleb. We're going to GBH, and we'll close with that. If you're new here, what in the world is a GBH? They're letters in the alphabet. <laughs> it gets deep here, quick. Great, but how? I hear all that stuff about Caleb. How does that apply to me? I love the story, but what does that have to do with me? I'm not that Caleb sort of person. I'm just not naturally tenacious. How do I become like that? Great, but how? How could I get there? I always so I was bothered when I'd go to church and they'd never give me an application. So, okay, they're great. I'm a loser. Now what? And God 
doesn't leave us and our previous predicament just to wallow. There's ways out, things that I can do, cooperating with them. Great, but how? So for you, for me, how do I do this? It's so, I believe, basic and elementary, following them wholeheartedly. What does that look like? Having faith. Point one, have faith. God said it, I'm going to believe it. I'm going to have a different spirit like Caleb. I have an opportunity to argue with what God said, or I can say yes to what God said. I can simply agree with him. So what has God said to you that your circumstance is arguing with? And maybe you've partnered with it, and you're now saying, oh, that, that, that ship has sailed. My kids just aren't. My relationships are too broken. Am I simply going to believe what God has said? Is he big enough to change my husband, if you're a wife? Is God big enough to change your wife? Is God big enough? If he gave you promises over your children, is God big enough to bring your kids back in? If your parents are just, you see them bickering, and you're, you're at home, and you go to church, and you see mom and dad raise their hands, and then you come back home, and you see the way mom and dad talk to each other, the way they argue, and you wonder if they're going to get divorced, and you wonder, is God big enough to change your parents? Is he able? And what he wants from you is not that you're the uh, mediator at home, but you mediate to heaven. You talk to Jesus and you pray. You say, Jesus, will you change my mom? Will you change my dad? And Jesus hears everything you pray. His ear is inclined towards you. I simply say, Father, bless my mom and dad. I don't want to see him divorced. I don't want to see my dad taken advantage of. I don't want to see my mom abused verbally. Jesus, can you get involved? Can you do something? And Jesus will say, amen. Sometimes it's not according to my timeline or your timeline. But will I believe God? His timing is perfect. His timing is perfect. So first thing, just faith. God said it, I believe it. Second thing, again, we've already mentioned it, is just courage. Lord, I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to quit. I'm simply going to, instead of stepping aside, I'm going to step in. I'm going to believe you. Everything is working against it. And it takes boldness and confidence and courage at times. And that's, that's the only qualifier. I'm going to stubbornly, positively believe you. I'm going to be courageous. And the third and last thing is this. It's just speech. So many people, I believe, they, they are untying their shoes and they keep tripping and falling because their speech is the opposite of what God says. Remember the 10 spies, they came back and said, yep, there's giants just like he said. Yep, it's a land flowing with milk and honey. Yep, but we can't do it. Is my speech lining up with what God said? True grit, I, I love that one scene. John Wayne sitting on his horse, Rooster Cogburn, and he said, okay, what's it going to be, Ned Cheney? you going to come in? And he said, well, well, we bleeped a little bit of it. But when the bad guys heard what John Wayne said, the bad guy says, that's bold talk from a one-eyed fat man. Maybe I need to start with some bold talk in my own home, in my own mouth, in my own prayer time. Instead of reminding God of everything that's not going right, he is well aware. That's right. Maybe I need to start reminding God of what he said. 
And God, I'm on your side. I'm going to start saying, my marriage is going to be healed in Jesus' name. My kids are, on the ret- are coming back. I'm going to start going to prayer for prodigals during the week. I'm going to start surrounding myself with people who are talking like God. Say what God says. That's bold talk from a one-eyed fat man. What's the dream that you're still holding on to? Kids who believe, grandchildren who believe, parents surviving, their marriage comes together, and your, your home, mom and dad, it's now like a beautiful, pungent garden. That my home is a place where I want to come into. You're still believing mom and dad are going to get it together. Having all your debts paid off. That your body will be healed in Jesus' name. That I'm going to, Father, I've been talking about this for years. I'm actually going to step out and I'm beginning to feed the homeless. It's not just going to be idle words. I'm going to courageously in faith step in and finding groups to pray and believe and feed and bless the homeless and disadvantaged. Jesus, I'm going to take you at your word. I'm just going to be wholehearted about this. Father, I thank you for your beautiful people. I thank you that you are still for me. After almost 45 years with me, you're still for me. I thank you for my nine millionth time of opportunity to change and come forward with you. I thank you that you're gracious and you're merciful. You don't count my failings against me, but you still call me forward. You still call me in to be with you. Jesus, I say yes. I want to be like a Caleb. I want to be like a Joshua. I want to be like a Joseph. I want to be like Jesus. I want to say, not my will, Father, but yours. May your will be done in my life. Jesus, I thank you for your courageous tenacity towards me. You haven't given up on me. Father, I choose you. Jesus, I choose you. I choose your word. I choose your ways. I choose courage, Lord. Bless this amazing people. Father, that in this room, marriages would be whole. Our children, Lord, would be whole. That it would be so beautiful, so attractive, Lord, that people who don't know you would come and say, introduce me to your God. I want what you have. I love what I see. Help us to step into those things and not just step aside. Embolden your people with courage and strength and a tenaciousness to have true grit, Father, to put the reins between my teeth and to ride forward, Father, not in stupidity, but in courage, believing your word. Bless us as a people that we could overflow into all these neighborhoods around us and the school across the street, the people at school, the people at work, that your, your life would spill over into their lives. Bless us, Father, as we step into it. In Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. Have an amazing week. Remember now, have an awesome week. Be blessed. Thanks for checking out the Life Church St. Peter's Message of the Week. For more podcasts and additional information, visit us at lifechurchstpeters.com.